everything. Amen. So as we are standing, we can go to the word of the Lord today. Amen. The book of Exodus, Exodus, the 12th chapter. Amen. And the word of the Lord says, verse 11, And thus shall ye eat it, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet. This is talking about the Passover lamb uh, that we'll get into here, the Passover supper. And your staff in your hand, so you're eating with only one hand. So, and ye shall eat it in haste, it is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the house where ye are, and when I see the blood... I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Aren't you thankful for the hand and protection of God? Amen. Verse 14, and this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations, and ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Seven days shall ye eat unleavened bread. Even the first day ye shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day unto the seventh, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. Amazing. Eating the wrong bread, you're out. Seems harsh, but God lays it out plainly how to do it. It's his word. Some people look at the word of God as harsh. But you just look at it with, with love and say, thank you, Jesus, for telling me what to eat. Thank you t- for telling me how to make the bread because I don't want to be cut off from what you're doing. Amen. And so we need to be obedient to his scripture. And lastly, verse 17. You shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For in this selfsame day have I brought you, have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt Therefore, ye shall observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. Amen. I want to preach to you today from this title, Foreshadowing Faith. Foreshadowing Faith. And you may be seated today in the presence of the Lord. Amen. There's something about uh, our human nature that we want to be where the party's going on, be where everything is happening. We don't want to be uh, left out of events or festivals or uh, birthday parties or any kind of celebration. We generally want to be there, whether we're, if you're an extrovert, you're already there. But if you're an introvert, uh, you may not really love it as much as other people do, but I think deep down inside, you're, you're happy to be there, to be a part of what everybody else is doing. That's why uh, whenever the church doors are open, I, I want to be here because I want to be a part of what God is doing, right? I don't want to miss out on what God is or I don't want to miss out on a healing service or deliverance. You never know when that can happen, right? So that's why you got to be there no matter what because uh, if you miss out, you can miss out on what God is trying to do in our life. And so obviously a celebration or a festival or a party is is thrown for a, a purpose. It has a, a purpose behind it, whether it is a, a birthday party, which uh, after you get past a certain age, you really don't 
care about those parties any longer. Uh, try to forget about those uh, as they come around the year. Um, but there, there are events in our culture and even maybe in your family, you have things and, and, and parties or festivals that you get together, uh, renew, family reunions or whatever it is. Uh, Thanksgiving is a, a big one here in America that uh, everybody gets together, hopefully. And if you're not, then uh, there's always somebody willing to open their doors to somebody else, right? Because we're, we're family here, and we're, we have lots to be thankful for. Uh, so Thanksgiving is one of those things, those festivals or celebrations that we get together and eat. And Fourth uh, of July, whether you barbecue on that day or whatever, we all most people get the day off, so it's observed and celebrated in some form or fashion. But we, whenever there's food somewhere being offered up, people usually show up. I don't know about you, but I like showing up when there's food. If there's not food there, you're like, well, we'll see. But if you know there's food, hey, I'll be there, no question, right? No matter what they're selling or whatever, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll partake in that and uh, get, get my feast on. And uh, weddings, all kinds of things that you and I uh, participate in throughout the year. And we're, we're naturally drawn to these things, uh, whether it's our stomach that's drawing us there or the people, we'll, we'll show up for one form or fashion. And that's why uh, we love doing Friends and Family Day here. It's one of our uh, biggest services of the year. May, maybe because there's food, we're offering free food, I don't know. Or maybe they just want to come and hang out with us, whatever it is. Uh, we all, everybody enjoys uh, a festive event and, and parties or feasts. Whatever the case is. And so uh, we're, we're just drawn to that. And we're seeing here uh, that the Jews had plenty of festivals in their culture that God helped establish in their nation as a reminder of what God has uh, done in their lives and where he has brought them from. Uh, the Jews had a feast, a feast of trumpets. They had a feast of the harvest or first fruits, also known as Pentecost, a feast of tabernacles. They had all these things, and they loved to get together and eat, and so you can tell how, how we're connected to them. We just love to get together for some good old-fashioned uh, food and fellowship. We don't necessarily need any more reason than that, right? Godly people coming together to eat. Uh, spiritual food and uh, natural food is obviously uh, even uh, adds, just adds to it all. Uh, and so the Jews had plenty of things that they can gather together and celebrate. And looking into this and studying and preparing for, for this sermon, I'm thinking, man, it, it'd be nice to become Jewish for a little bit, to partake in all that they do, right? Uh, and maybe we need to incorporate more of the, the, the Judeo part of our Christian belief where they have all these uh, week-long festivals and, and things like that, and we need to work on that in our culture. But they even had uh, a Sabbath year where they would work for six years and planting and growing things, but Jesus said, or God said in the, the seventh year, make it a Sabbath year, and that Sabbath year, you don't plant anything. I mean, man, you work six years, take a year off. What's wrong with that, right? And that's what... Uh, uh, but it's amazing how if you're if you're growing things and growing uh, food for your yourself and to sustain yourself, 
it's it's horrifying to think that one whole year you don't plant anything. Don't plant any crops or nothing like that and you just you just got to live by faith, but what what God does if you're going to live by faith in the sixth year, God's going to bless you abundantly to carry you over through the seventh year because you, you're not supposed to plant anything that year. And then the eighth year you begin to, it all resets and you start planting again. But uh, the hand of God can bring anybody through any situation, food or no food, high gas prices or not. Uh, God's, uh, even though the economy may, may not be doing all that well, I'm a part of the kingdom of God. We're a part of a different economy where God can do anything. God can can again speak to the rain and to pour out upon our lives and, and blessings and open doors. And so when we serve God, we don't have to necessarily put all of our faith and trust in this world's economy because our faith is in God. We're putting we're seeking the kingdom of God first, and God is going to worry about everything else, right? Amen. And so the Jews had all of these festivals and and just they just they got together more than, than we probably do, and they, they, they didn't need a reason to do it even more so because they, they love doing it. And, and just as much as we love it, uh, it's just a part of, of who we are. But the Feast of Passover is the one that started it all. As many feasts as they had and uh, the good times of their life throughout the years and how it was spread out throughout the years where they would take time out and, and all the men would go to Jerusalem and, uh, for these feasts and, and whatever God commanded them to do that they would partake and do all that. But they wouldn't have any of that if it wasn't for the feast of Passover. Because the feast of Passover is where it all started. Because without the lamb... They would have nothing. Without the blood that was shed and that they put upon the doorpost, without that, they would not have any other feast. They would not have the life that they were living. Without the Passover, they would still be in Egypt. And so, therefore, they would not have a feast of tabernacles. They would not have a, a feast of trumpets. They would not have the feast of harvest or Pentecost if they did not have first the feast of Passover. And so without Jesus, we have nothing. Without the shed blood of the Lamb of God, you and I have nothing. If Jesus did not go to the cross, we would not have anything in our life to celebrate or to be joyous about or have any kind of blessings in our life because first the Lamb has to be killed and the blood has to be shed and the blood not just to be shed, but the blood has to be applied to the doorposts in order to partake in the Feast of Passovers because if you don't have the Feast of Passovers, you don't have anything else. And so, so many people have, uh, can talk about all the great things in their life and all these things. But if, if you don't have the blood of, of Jesus applied to your life, I'm telling you, you're missing out on a whole new world. You're missing out on a life that God has. You're still in Egypt somehow until the blood is applied to your life and applied to your doorposts and your home and your heart. You don't really have anything. You first need to have the feast of Passover. Where it all begins. 
Because without that, without the blood of the lamb that was shed, we have nothing. Where would we be without the cross of Christ? Where would we be without Calvary? We would still be stuck in our sins. We'd still be powerless over our addictions. But I'm thankful that Jesus saw us and said, hey, I'm going to come and I'm going to be the lamb. I'm going to give myself up. I'm going to shed my blood and pour it over your life and make it available that if you do take that up, and if you do apply the blood in your life, you can go on and leave your Egypt behind. You can leave that world behind of, of slavery, of addiction and bondage. I'm thankful for the blood of the lamb that was shed so that we can go and experience a new life. Second Corinthians says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. I'm thankful for a new start. I'm thankful for a new day in Jesus Christ. But that did not just happen automatically. No, there was a lamb that was slain so that I can have a new life. A lamb that was slain so that I can be a new creature in Christ. And that was paid for by the blood that was shed at Calvary. And so if we don't have the blood of Jesus applied to our life. We're missing out on everything else after that. It all begins with the Passover. It begins with the blood. And until you do that in your life, you are missing out on what God has in store. Yeah, you can still have these celebrations and all these things, but you're still in your own Egypt until you apply the blood and partake in the feast of Passover. Because the feast, the feast of Passover is where it all begins. You have no other feasts until you first have Passover. And the feast of Passover was initiated with the tenth plague, the last plague in Egypt that God was that that, that God did in Egypt. That is the night. Where Fasto, the, the feast of Passover was initiated, and we know the story how uh, they were they're told to kill the lamb, uh, they were to cook all of the lamb. Uh, however, they used to cook food before. This was different. The, the feast of Passovers was different than every other uh, feast because in this feast. You didn't, you, didn't, you didn't break any of the bones of the lamb. You just killed it and you cooked the whole thing. That's in a symbolic of Jesus Christ where he gave his whole self. Not, not a bone was broken in the lamb of God. And so in the Passover, you don't touch any. You, let, you give everything, every, every part of that. As Jesus gave his whole heart, his whole life, and, and not a bone was broken in him. And so not a bone was to be broken in the lamb of the Passover. And so it wasn't to be boiled uh, or cooked, or however they used to cook their foods. No, for the Passover, you cook the whole thing and you burn it. And so this was initiated with the ten plagues, the tenth plague, uh, before the, the death angel would come and to take the firstborn uh, of every man and every beast, unless the blood was applied to your house. And so for nine plagues... Nine plagues, Israel was hearing about the work and wonder of God. 
uh, however many days this played out, and uh, Israel was living in Goshen, and they, they were living in a, a, a world, a land that was separate uh, from the rest of Egypt. And, and the plagues that were happening in the city of Egypt, they were not happening over there in Goshen because God was distinguishing himself uh, with his people apart from the people of Egypt. And so for nine plagues, one after another, they, they didn't really get to see them, but they heard about them because they weren't going on in Egypt or in Goshen while they were going on in Egypt. And so for, for nine plagues, Israel wasn't doing anything. They were hearing about the work of God, and they were rejoicing. Yeah, God did it again. God sent locusts and fleas and, and all these things. And uh, we uh, Israel didn't really have to uh, put anything in the fight. They didn't really have to do anything. They were just on the receiving end uh, and hearing about all the great works that God is doing. And he's doing all these things around your house. But uh, God never really came to Goshen during the nine plagues. But the 10th plague, he was coming. The 10th plague was going to every house in Egypt. Every door was going to be knocked on by the death angel. It didn't matter if you lived in Goshen and you're untouched for the first nine plagues. The 10th plague is coming. And if you don't apply the blood on your doorpost, guess what? God's going to come visit your house. And if you haven't been obedient to the word of God, and if you haven't applied the blood of the lamb like the word of God says to do, then you'll be just like those in Egypt. There are so many people that hear about the great works that God is doing all around them. But God has never visited their house. They can re, you can rejoice about what God is doing over there and how God is keeping uh, uh, them, them safe over there or, or rejoice in, in the healings or deliverance or, or whatever, the miracles that God is doing all around you. But if God never came to your house, uh, what, what good is all that of, of living through somebody else's life? I don't know about you, but I want God to come into my house. I don't want to own my whole life here about God doing that over there and that over there and that over there. No, I want God to come visit me. I want God to come into my life and come into my house and, and, and do a work in me. And so uh, just because you hear about all the great things that God is doing doesn't mean God has been to your house. Just because you go to church and, and, and worship uh, with the crowds and the masses doesn't mean you're taking God home with you. Doesn't mean that God is going to your house just because you see the worship happening or maybe you participate or, or you hear about services and, and great things God is doing all around you. Does not mean he's going to your house. And so Matthew tells us that Jesus uh, in that last day says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Because many people will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And have we not cast out devils in thy name? And, and done many wonderful works in your name? And then I will profess to them and say, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work of iniquity. I've heard about all the great things you did and uh, uh, did all these great things in your name and cast out devils and all these many wonderful works. But Jesus says, 
never been to your house. What good is living in the land of Goshen and, and hearing about all the blessings of all that unless, uh, and God never come and visit your house. But I'm here to tell you that there is a coming, a, there is coming a day that where there's going to be a visitation to every single house, every single soul, every person is going to have to stand before Christ and give an account unto Him. And so we might as well apply the blood to our life right now because it's been a, it's been available to us. I don't want to stand before God and not having the blood applied to my life. I don't want that death angel to come into my house and I have nothing to resist him and, and I want him to pass over me. Hebrews 9 and 27 says, as it appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. There is coming a knock on every person's door. Doesn't matter if you've lived in Goshen your whole life. Doesn't matter if you've heard about all the great things that God has done. There's coming a knock on your door, and it's going to be the death angel. And if you are not been obedient to the word of God and obeyed the scriptures, uh, he's going to come into your life, and it's not going to be well for you because you've been disobedient to what God had said to do. That night, it didn't matter how Jewish you were. If you didn't have the blood applied to your life, your firstborn was gone. It doesn't matter if you can trace your lineage back to Abraham, the father of faith, and say, he's my father. And It didn't matter how close your genealogy was to him or, or Noah or Adam. It doesn't matter. If the blood is not applied to your life, uh, the death angel is coming inside to take the firstborn. God is not a respecter of persons, but he's a respecter of his word. And I want to make sure I fulfill the word of God in my life, that I obey the word, whatever it says to do, even if I don't like to eat flat bread that it hasn't been let, hasn't been raised, if the word of God says eat unleavened bread, you better eat unleavened bread. So there's coming a knock on every one of our doors. And whether God tarries or whether you, you hear that knock, because we are all appointed once to die. Don't think that we're so, so good that we get to escape the grave. If it's the Lord's will and his timing, we may face that knock. But there will be some who will be alive at the coming of the Lord that, won't, that will get to escape that knock. But there is an appointment on every one of our clocks where that death angel's coming. And if you're not ready... And if you haven't obeyed the word of God, he's going to come in there and he's going to take your soul and it's going to go to a place where those uh, who, who are disobedient to the word of God, that's where you're going to spend the rest of eternity. It doesn't matter how many times you went to church. If you haven't applied the word to your life, you're going to go face, you'll be in the same cell as a sinner out there. Uh, and so it doesn't matter how many of the good works and miracles you've heard about in the land of Goshen, if you haven't applied the blood to your life, You'll face the wrath of God. That's because we are all born of the flesh. Jesus said that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And so our flesh has an appointment with the grave. Our flesh has an uh, uh, appointment with the earth where it's going to go back to. But that, uh, if you're 
become born of the Spirit, guess what? You get a new life. There's another part of you that's not going to be held down by the grave. There's another part of you that gets to be with the Lord Jesus Christ because death does not have power over the Spirit of God. And so if we have that inside of us, guess what? We may face, we may hear that knock on a door, but that does not mean we're going to stay in the grave, but we're going to go out of the grave and be in the hands of the Lord. Because Jesus said, I say unto thee, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So our, our natural life, our first birth is not, uh, not going to sustain itself. And so if you've never been born again, there's, no, there's, not, there's not much hope after, after death, honestly. There's, there is no hope. There's no pleasanter pleasantries after death. If you have not been born of the water and of the spirit, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. If you haven't been repentant of your sins, you're not going to get into the kingdom of God. If you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, you're not going to get into the kingdom of God because that means you were not born of the water. If you have not received the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues, that means you're not going to get into the kingdom of God. And when that when that knock comes, you're going to go to the place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth and say, the place where there is streets of gold. There's coming a knock on every one of our hearts and our lives. But Romans tells us, if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. I'm thankful that receiving the Holy Ghost, there is a hope in me that I'm not going to stay in the grave. If, if so be it, it comes by that way. But if I do, there's coming a day where I'm going to hear that trumpet sound. And in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump shall shout, and the dead in Christ shall raise incorruptible, and we shall all be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. And then we'll be able to say, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Death is swallowed up in victory. Why? Because we applied the blood to my life. I took the lamb's blood and I applied it to the doorposts of my heart and my soul. And even though death may come, uh, eternal judgment is going to pass over me. And so if you haven't partaken in the feast of Passover in your life, that's the first thing you need to do is to align yourself with the word of God and apply the blood, and that is through repentance and baptism and, and uh, getting filled with the Holy Ghost. And, and so uh, I know we talked about festivals and parties, but talk about a festival when we're all singing together. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? You thought you won the devil, a battle devil, but hey, Jesus has a victory. Jesus has a last say, and I've got his spirit inside of me, and he's going to pass on over me. Why? Because I've been baptized and buried again and born of the water and of the spirit and we'll be able to stand and say, oh death, where is thy sting? Oh grave, where is thy victory? But only those that apply the blood and have partaken of the Lamb of God and participated in the Passover, only those We'll be able to sing that song.
And the Feast of Passovers, as I started to say how it was different than others and even just the way that it was, the food was prepared, the lamb was not to be broken and, and, and cut up but cooked as whole. Uh, it's, it's different than any other feast in many other ways because in our text in verse 11 it says, Thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded. Whenever the Israelites were told to gird up your loins, that means they take their, their tunic and they put it up in their belt and they strap it up because to gird up your loins means you're going to fight. Or you're going to be going to do some kind of activity. You're not, uh, when it's not, your loins are not girded up, guess what? You're relaxed and you're, and you're, and you're casual and you're not, you're not in a, a, a war mindset and you're not on the offensive, but you're just at ease. And so here the Passover says, uh, when you're eating the food and eating of the, the feast, you need to gird up your loins. Means you gotta be uh, aware and active at all times when you're uh, living for the Lord. You can't just be slack and, and, and lazy and lax the days ago and laying around. No, we gotta gird up our loins every single day because we gotta be ready. You never know when that knock is coming. We gotta make sure that you're ready at all moments. So uh, our loins have to be girded up and ready to go at a moment's notice. All the other feasts. They weren't girding up their loins. They were relaxing and enjoying the time. But the, the Passover, gird up your loins. Be alert. Be ready. At a moment's notice, it can happen. And so also it says, you're going to eat of this feast with your shoes on your feet. Now, I don't know what the rules of your house are, uh, whether you're allowed to walk around your house with shoes on everywhere. Um, but in the ancient days, in, in this Jewish culture, you, once you, you take your shoes off in the room. Uh, once you come inside, talking about washing the feet, and all these things is custom. You'd walk in, wash your, somebody would wash your feet, you'd wash your feet, and you'd, you'd walk through the house uh, barefooted. You wouldn't have shoes on, but the Feast of Passovers, you're eating with your shoes on. Unlike anything, I mean, that's, that's crazy. Like, you don't, we don't, Lord... We, we don't do this. Our custom is not to eat with shoes on, but our customs is to relax. We don't, we don't gird up our loins when we eat. We, 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 we're relaxed. We don't have our shoes on. And, so, and then also with your staff in your hand, your walking stick in your hand. You're, I don't know if that was uh, that literal with a stick in your hand or not. I, don't, I can see the girding the loins literal. Shoes on literal, and so I'm guessing the staff in your hand was literal too. He wouldn't ask two literal things, and the third would not be literal. But uh, So the staff in your hands, meaning you're ready to walk. You're ready to leave, and obviously your loins girded up. You're, you're ready to, to, to get out of Dodge. And so uh, the whole feast of Passovers was to tell them, 
that you're not going to be here very long. That there's coming a sounding, there's coming a knock, that you got to get ready to go. Uh, and so you got to get your shoes on, your bags packed. And that's it is today with the rapture of the church. You never know when that trumpet's going to sound. We got to make sure our loins are girded up. We got to make sure that we're ready to meet the Lord at a moment's notice. Our, our staff in our hand and our, our shoes ready that we're not just laying on the couch uh, hoping that Jesus' glory train comes and, and picks me up. No, but we We've got to be alert and ready to go at a moment's notice. Otherwise, that knock's going to come. And we're not going to be ready for that knock. So then it goes on to say in verse 17, it says, You shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. Now, uh, this initiated with the Passover, with the lamb, uh, the lamb's feast, but also this started the the feast of unleavened bread the same night they partook of the lamb and then they also ate of the unleavened bread and the bible says that they are to make the the bread without leaven uh because the message behind this is you're not be you're going you're not going to be here very long you got to be ready you don't got time to wait for the for the yeast and the dough to rise but you're going to make unleavened bread and it also says eat it with bitter herbs Bitter herbs. Now, uh, you know, whether you like unleavened bread or not, that's one thing. But then to add into that bitter herbs, I don't know if anybody uh, likes bitter herbs. But that was the meal that the Lord had told them to prepare uh, that night. And so uh, whether you liked it or not, if you obeyed it, then the death angel passed over you and you got to experience the, the hand of God. But if you did not obey the word of God, then you got a visitation by the death angel. And so whatever the word says, whatever, if you don't like unleavened bread, it's not up to you to cry to God and say, God, I don't like this type of food. No, we should be grateful for the salvation that God provides. Thank you, Lord, for the blood that you shed. Who am I to complain about what you asked me to do? You died for me. Why? we were yet sinners. Christ died for the ungodly. And so who am I to complain that I don't want to eat bitter herbs? You don't want to eat bitter herbs, then I guess you can stay in Egypt while everybody else is getting out. You don't want to eat unleavened bread. Fine, you can stay in Egypt and partake of the plagues and judgment that the world is going to receive. And so whether uh, you want to get baptized or not, that's that's a mute point because the Bible says you need to get baptized. Whether you want to uh, believe he's speaking tongues or not, or if it's just uh, only for certain people. No, Jesus said everyone that is born of the Spirit, you're going to hear a sound thereof. And so everybody that received the Holy Ghost spoke in other tongues as initial sign of receiving the Holy Ghost. And so whatever the Bible says, whether we like it or not, we need to make sure that we are obeying that and, and in turn applying the blood to our life, uh, the blood to the doorpost so that we can experience what God has for us because we're, we're first got to partake in the feast of Passover before we ever get to partake in any other kind of feasts. And so what else was unique about the feast of Passover was all these other feasts, they were in response to what God had done. 
the feast of first fruits or feast of harvest or feast of Pentecost. That was after you you had a harvest, right? So there was a certain time you saw the Lord blessing your crop and all these things. And finally, when you come and harvest your food, uh, God scheduled in. There was a time uh, of, a, of a feast where you celebrate uh, what God has blessed you with and, and what God has done in your life. And so uh, all these other feasts of celebration, you're, you're celebrating what God has done for me. And, and, and let me tell you what, that's the easiest feast to participate in. After God has already done something for you, you don't have to tell anybody to, to start joy, rejoicing and dancing and celebrating after God did something for them. No, that's when we're on the mountaintop. That's when we're rejoicing and we're feasting and we're, we're joyous and we're overjoyed with, with what God has already done for us. And so, yeah, of course, those are, those are great feasts to participate in because we're just on the receiving end of what God has already done. The Feast of Passover is a different feast because this feast you're supposed to celebrate God bringing you out of Egypt while you're still in Egypt. This was a feast of foreshadowing of faith. Because Israel has been uh, bondage, have been slaves for 430 years. 430 years. You, you can count, lose track of how many ancestors were died and buried in Egypt. But yet this day, God says, prepare a feast because you're getting out of Egypt. And you're supposed to say, yep, it's happening. Logic and facts are going to say, you ain't going anywhere. 430 years you've been in here, and now all of a sudden you're going to start holding a feast, thinking that you're breaking out of jail tonight. Uh, and so the enemy is going to always comes after you and, and tries to remind you of your past. But uh, it doesn't matter how long you've been held in captivity. If you're willing to step out and participate and step out in faith, God can bring you out of bondage today. Today can be your day where you get out of Egypt. Today can be the day where that addiction stops. Where those, those bondage chains break off your life. It doesn't matter how far you've been, how, how bad of a person you are, how long you've been in Egypt or your family has been in Egypt. Today can be the day where you get out of your Egypt. If you're willing to listen to the word of the Lord and apply the blood to your life, you'll be able to participate in the feast of Passover and get out of Egypt this day. See, there's always the, the naysayers that are going to say, it's not happening. God's been doing night in these nine plagues, and all of a sudden now this, this tenth, now all of a sudden this night we've got to pack our bags. You heard how many times the Pharaoh said you can't go or only a little bit of you can go. I mean, 
uh, who's to say it's going to happen now? There's always those people who are trying to, to bring you down when you're trying to reach up, isn't there? We already have enough trouble with the devil doing that. We don't need anybody else doing that, especially in the church or brothers and sisters in Christ. No, we're here to lift one another up. We're here to encourage, hey, God's going to do something great in you. God's going to do a miracle in your life. I see God using you in a mighty way. Uh, that's what we are here together to do, to lift one another up. There's always those doubters, the faithless, the negative people. I mean, look, we're all in the same boat. I mean, they've they've all been they've been all been in bondage together for 430 years. They they know what the the talking points are, and they they can relate to those things. But somehow. Uh, by faith tonight, we're gonna we're gonna foreshadow. We're gonna release some faith today, and we're gonna start celebrating tonight. We're gonna start celebrating today what God is gonna do tomorrow or another day. I don't know when it's gonna happen, but Jesus, uh, if God says, "Hey, let's start a feast. Let's start celebrating for what I'm gonna about to do," that takes a little bit more faith to participate, doesn't it? Feast of harvest, everybody's there. Because God just blessed everybody. The feast of Passover. You got to start celebrating when you're still in Egypt. You got to celebrate your deliverance when you're still bound and shackled. And you got to celebrate what God's getting ready to do even though you look around and the the situation's still the same. Nothing's really changed. I'm I'm still here in this situation. I'm still uh, bound. I still see all these things happening. No, today can be the day where you can say, I'm going to release my faith. I'm going to pour it out ahead and I'm going to believe that God's going to do something. If I'm obedient to his word, then he's going to do something in return and we can break out of whatever you're being held in by if you're willing to step out in faith today. Musicians, if you would come. So the feast of Passover was where you celebrated in faith by what God is going to do but hasn't done yet. And that is the hardest feast to participate in. Because no matter how how bad it is, you still got to be willing to say, God, I believe you. No matter how hard your situation is, you got to say, God, I'm still, I'm still here. I'm still going to come and worship. I'm still going to go to church, even though I'm still here in my Egypt and my surroundings and all these things. I'm still going to come up and offer up praise and worship, and I'm still going to apply the blood to my life and be obedient, even though I'm still in Egypt. I'm still going to celebrate what God is going to do in my life. And, and this is not the first time that people are told to do something that goes against, against what they're dealing with. The Bible talks about sing, O barren. That did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud. Why would somebody who was barren want to sing? Why would somebody who was barren want to start praising God and thanking God and, and worshiping Him? No, the Bible says if you're barren, why don't you go ahead and start celebrating what God is going to do in your life? That takes some faith. You to release some faith and say, I'm going to start singing. I'm going to break forth into singing, even though I'm barren, even though God has not done anything. Yet, even though I'm still in Egypt, I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure that I'm gonna sing. You see, you can be sour 
over your circumstance or you can start singing about it. You can start singing about what God is going to do. You can get upset and you can be sorrowful. Oh, I'm still here in Egypt. We've been in this situation for so long. No, stop saying that. Let's start singing and praising God. Let's start releasing our faith and foreshadowing and say God's going to do something. That's what God needs to do, a miracle in somebody's life. God needs some faith. And many times we have to release our faith before we're out of our Egypt. Because if we don't participate in the feast of Passover, which is by faith, let's come together and celebrate God's bringing us out of Egypt. Well, he hasn't done that yet. Those that do that and participate in faith actually get to leave their Egypt and get to participate in all the other feasts as well because they're not in Egypt anymore and they're in where God's will is for their life. And so there's, there's so many more things available in your life. But you first got to get out of your Egypt. You first got to get out of, uh, out of the sinful life and repent and be baptized in Jesus' name and be obedient to his word. Once you do that and apply the blood to your life, God can bring you out of Egypt and into the land that God has for you. If you stand with me today. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your situation is. Maybe you feel like you're you're in an Egypt and and things are just working against you. And, and every time you try to cry out to get out, and uh, for whatever reason, Pharaoh says you're not leaving. Uh, uh, maybe you're dealing with an issue for so long that uh, you're just tired and weary about it. And, and you're almost on the brink of losing hope. I'm here to tell you, it's not the time to be sorrowful and sad. It's the time to break forth into singing and to start celebrating. I'm believing God's going to do something great. He hasn't done it yet, but I'm going to participate. I'm going to be a part of the festival of what God is doing. He goes on to say, I'm going to give them beauty for ashes. If you feel like you've got ashes, God says, hey, if you worship me and you're obedient, I'll give you beauty for ashes. I'll give you the joy, oil of joy for mourning. If anyone that is mourning in your soul, God's got some joy for you, but you got to release your faith and say, God, I want a little bit of that. I'm tired of where I'm at. I'm tired of the way that I'm living. I want to step out in faith today. He said, I'll give you a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Now, if it's the, the, one of the hardest times to praise God is when you just feel all heavy, weighed down by your burdens. But, hey, we're not here to, to collapse and just give that go down. God says, hey, if you're willing to release some faith, I'll give you a, a garment of praise for that spirit of heaviness. And so you got to be willing to say, I believe in God. Even though you haven't done it yet, I'm going to still believe and I'm still going to participate in the feast of Passover. See, Jericho's walls were so big, so wide. And this was, this was the first city that they come against once they step into the promised land. The biggest, toughest battle out there. And I'm sure there might have been some naysayers there and some people who didn't have all the faith, but those that were obedient to the word of God 
what did they do? They started marching. Hey, we're going to start marching around the walls. We're going to march today. And nothing, uh, you get back and you wonder, well, I wonder what's going to happen. Nothing happened today. And they say, hey, let's go back again tomorrow. Let's walk around believing the walls are going to come down tomorrow. And you go out and uh, you do that and, and believe it. And, and we'll step it out in faith and still the walls don't come down. And again, day three, day four, day five. Day six. And on day seven, Joshua's like, if anyone still has any faith to join with me today, we're going to go around and we're not just going to march around one time, but we're gonna, today we're going to walk around seven times. We're going to walk around celebrating. We're going to walk around singing and proclaiming and dancing that maybe today is going to be the day the walls come down. Today is going to be the day where your, your, your shackles fall off. Today is the day that your, your family member is going to turn towards God. Today is the day that your, your lost loved ones are going to say, I need to go to church. Maybe today's the day that that healing starts to take place in your life. You never know, but you got to be ready. Gird up your loins and be ready to dance for the Lord just as if he's already done it. you got to be ready to sing unto the Lord and participate, act like he's already done it. You see, either you can wait around for God to do something or we can just start rejoicing and believing he's going to do something. We don't we, we have so many things that we can easily react to, but how many times do we actually step out in faith and say, God, you haven't done this yet, but I'm still I'm here to believe. I'm here to release my faith. Uh, the my, my my friend or our coworker hasn't been delivered yet, but hey, I I'm still gonna worship you and praise you and believe for that person. Uh, not healing hasn't come yet, but that doesn't mean I'm not gonna stop worshiping you and believing that you're a healer. Uh, uh, reconciliation hasn't happened yet, but that's not gonna keep me from from coming to church and giving my my heart to you and believing that you're gonna do something. You see, Paul said, let the weak say, I am strong. You see, that's a, that's a, a faith feast right there. Why would the weak say that I am strong? The only way you're going to say that is through faith. You're, you're, you're foreshadowing your faith and saying, God, you haven't done it yet, but hey, uh, I'm going to release my faith for my next step. You haven't done it in this step, but hey, I'm going to release a little bit more faith tomorrow. So it, tomorrow may be the day that you actually do that, but we got to be ready. Our loins are going to be girded up. we got to have our staff in our hand. we got to be ready to leave our situation, ready to leave our Egypt. Don't be praying for deliverance if you're not ready to go. Don't be praying to leave Egypt if your bags are not packed. So I believe that God is transitioning us to the next place that God wants us to go. And we don't know what's in store. We know that we pray for miracles, signs, and wonders, and, and, and they, they haven't happened yet, but does that mean we cannot praise God for them? Imagine if we came to church 
uh, just worshiping God and saying, God, what are you praising God about? I'm praising uh, because I believe the lame are going to are gonna walk. I'm going to believe and I'm praising that the blind are going to start to see. Has it happened yet? No. But that doesn't mean it's not going to happen because the Word of God says that. And so God just needs some people to show up and say, hey, let's start releasing our faith. It's going to happen one day. The, the deaf ears are going to open one day. Uh, the dead are going to come to life one day. And so might as well start celebrating now for what God is going to do tomorrow. Instead of waiting around and saying, oh, I wonder what God's going to do today. No, don't let that hinder your praise. Don't let that affect your faith. No, we need to come here and just release our faith and say, God's going to do something great. Whether it's in your life or your life or your life, I believe God is going to do something great. But he needs somebody to, to celebrate and begin that feast. Or you're stepping out in faith. I don't know what you're going through in your life. But I know something that can help you today. And that is you stepping out in faith and saying, God, I believe. I believe, Lord, you can do it. I believe you can answer that prayer. I believe you can heal that person. I believe you can deliver that person today. Is there anybody here who wants to step out in faith and say, God, you haven't done it yet, but I'm here going to praise you like you've already done it. God, you haven't delivered me yet, but uh, hey, I'm going to believe that you're going to do it today. Come on, today can be the day. Today can be the day if you're willing to step out and release your faith today. Come on, will you come. Let's worship the Lord together. Is there something you need from God? Is there a situation you're going through that just wears, wears on your soul? Just come and give it to the Lord today. God, I'm going to celebrate like you've already done it. I'm going to worship like you've already answered my prayer. Come on, we're all in this together. We all got to move together. Sometimes we gotta step out of faith. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you haven't applied the blood to your life, today is the day. If you haven't been baptized, you need to do that today. Come on, let's begin to pray and minister to one another. Believe for somebody, release your faith in their situation. It hasn't happened doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Today could be 